Welcome to the Breaking Bots Podcast. Please put on your safety goggles, tighten your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Here are your hosts, Brian and Cam. Welcome everybody. Welcome to the Breaking Bots Podcast. Yes. And we have a new guest for you this week. Uh, We'll get to that in a few minutes. But uh, yeah, pretty entertaining episode this week too. Yeah, we're gonna jump into the uh, this week's lineup first. No, no, just I just said it was just an inter- oh, interesting. Oh, okay. One. Yeah, for this week we have the team captain of Sawblaze. We have Jameson Go with us this week. Uh, very successful bot coming out of uh, on the modern rerun of Battle Bots. He yeah, has and, been and, seven and four so far. That's yeah, an incredibly and I mean, good record for Battle Bots. One well, and as anybody that's listened to this podcast knows. Haven't been the hugest fan of it. Uh, well, the saw. The you're, mo- you're not a fan of saws. It's not well, saw yeah. blaze in particular. Oh no, but I've thrown plenty of shade his way, uh, and like we we'll get into it in the interview. But Discovery, when it first came out, they kind of it's like Ray Billings. They make him out to be a villain, but he's clearly not a villain when you talk to him in real life. So yeah, cool guy, cosplayer, video game enthusiast. Um, I don't know what's not to love there. And apparently better at Overwatch than uh, Ribot. Yeah, better than David Jin, yeah. at, uh, unfortunately. At, <laughs> like, you can't give him something. You can't give him Overwatch. You can't give him Battle Bots. Like, oh, well. But that's another up-and-coming team, so they got a chance to climb in that. So, But without further ado, we will bring on Jameson Go right after the break. Alrighty, folks, and we are back, and this week we have another new guest. Yeah, um, from Team Sawblaze, we have the captain, uh, Jameson Go is with us this week. So we would like to welcome him onto the show. Jamo, are you there? I'm here. Thank you very much for having me. Ah, thanks for coming on. Uh, welcome. Um, you had just gotten back from Dragon Con, if I'm not mistaken, so I had a couple of questions about that. Did you, um, did you guys go and have like a booth there and a meet and greet, or did you just go as fans? Well, every year we go to Dragon Con, uh, the group of us from the Northeast. We've been going for a long time, part of a few panels. Uh, so on Friday, we had the viewing party for episode 12. And before then was actually a, I think it was a 20th robot fighting birthday party, which is kind of like just uh, folks asking questions, sharing good, some good memories. We had folks far longer than I have, just sharing the stories of what it was like in the beginning. It was pretty neat. I actually showed up a little bit late, so don't quiz me too much about those details. But <laughs> afterwards, we had the with a short Q&A. It was really cool. Dragon Con is a great place to be, and that's only Friday. So, Wow. That's a pretty cool... Um, Because we have a Comic-Con down here, but they've never done anything with the robot combat community, so... I guess maybe in Atlanta with Georgia Tech right there, they have a little more, uh, you know, people interested. I mean, I wouldn't say interest. There's plenty of people interested down here, but uh, maybe, oh, Dragon Con's about twice as big, too. So um, did you guys get to cosplay any when you were there? Um, we did not. Well, I didn't cosplay anything. Uh, I just cosplayed myself, I guess. 
And uh, yeah, my teammate uh, and drive coach, Lucy, she had a few cosplays lined up. Uh, it's something that we usually do or used to do a lot more often. She still has the energy to do it. Uh, so good for her. Uh, she's a few characters from video games I'd like to play, like Overwatch or League of Legends. And I was just a photographer, so I carried my camera equipment, took pictures of stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Cool place. And uh, back on the, about the robot fighting history at DragonCon, mm-hmm. I'm proud of is the Robot Battles competition, which they host every year. They have the micro battles on Sunday and the robot battles, that's the 12 and 30 sportsmen's, on Monday. Hmm. So they always tell, they talk about uh, the oldest running robotic combat uh, competition in, I think, maybe the U.S. mention of Critter Crunch. So that's something they're really proud of, and they want to continue that culture and that heritage. So I think they're on Robot Battles oh, table. Good. 68. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, it's like, that's not 68 years. There's They have a few different ones in the, across Atlanta a few times per year, and then I want to say Tennessee. That's cool. And you are yeah. Georgia Tech alumni, so I guess you're no stranger to Dragon Con. Yeah, I mean, once I started going to Georgia Tech, I made it a point to go to Dragon Con and always bring new friends with me. Aaron or some of my college buddies, they mm-hmm. have been helping out on Team Valkyrie as well. So it's really great. To, it's a great place to go uh, to your friends. Oh, yeah, other folks from Georgia Tech uh, that I met. Matt Carroll and Dan Hammer, who you may have seen on Bombshell. This oh, year, yeah. Have been longtime friends uh, as well and stayed in this fighting robot community. So really happy. Fun fact, Dan Hammer, a longtime favorite, one of the favorite names of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did I want, he could probably, he seems like the type he would cosplay as Bane. I could totally see that. Just so he could rip the shirt off, you know? <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, maybe we should convince him, you know? You know, <laughs> earworm it into him. You yeah. know, Dan, I think you would make a great Bane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, we see, I'll see those guys sometimes at, uh, like, the Comic-Cons that, yeah, I mean, they got the body for it, so they'll do that sort of thing. I, I mean, I've got some friends that cosplay, too, and I'm like... I, I couldn't pull off some of the people that they do, like Captain America or Black Panther or something like that. I'm like, I'd have to go as the before Captain America, before Steve Rogers got the serum. Oh. That's about all I can go for. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, I, I did not know that they had panels on robot combats. Do you get recognized at Dragon Con? Uh, on occasion, uh, we we do. It's don't know what to do when someone. They call you out by name. I'm not used to to all this still. I still very much think I'm a human. Just going to a con. And so when someone recognizes you, I, I don't know exactly what to do, except that share in their general excitement. Like I'm, I tell them, I'm really happy that you're really happy <laughs> about fighting robots. And, and then we, we, we bring stickers. You know, the, We're probably one of the harder teams uh, to get stickers from. But. Oh, man. For their for their recognition and courage, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know if you cosplay and you said you do League of Legends, and that's one of the cooler cosplays that I've seen. Like a lot, of, a lot of the video games now have some pretty cool cosplaying. So I'm guessing people pull you aside for that anyway. So I mean, I guess it's not a far stretch that they just pull you out there instead of you're probably thinking like, wait, did I costume up? No, it's just me. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's pretty cool. So um, 
first, yeah. you know. Uh, but, you know, for, for a cosplay thing, they recognize you as a character. And because you know that, hey, I'm playing a character, uh, I'm dressed up as him, and I expect to be recognized as such. Mm-hmm. But if it's just you being you, it's, it still shocks me. And I'm, I'm not quite used to it still. But. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, it's a humble way of going about it. I, I honestly... I think maybe it's the, you know, like how Discovery does it. They'll portray you a little bit cocky sometimes on the show. And I don't know if that's uh, just they, your confidence or what's going on. Sorry about that. What'd you say? No, I, I totally agree. They they do that. And I, I wouldn't say I'm not confident. I don't feel like I, I especially, I'm especially cocky, but I do, I do feel that uh, my history and experience has been pretty good for fighting robots. And I definitely want to, uh, that reputation. So, so what you're saying is you're not quite as villainous as Ray Billings. <laughs> <laughs> no one can match Ray Billings for for villainy on on Battlebots. You know, as far as like aggro this season on the show, I would say, and this is probably pretty like ironic. Jonathan has been one of the more um, aggressive ones, at least that they've portrayed him on the show because he's been slapping the glass every episode and yelling. So. And he doesn't really come across to me that way either. So, I mean, I guess it's, you can kind of get misrepresented on there, but I don't think it's a bad thing, even in Ray's case. I mean, he doesn't know. Oh, yeah, I don't think it's bad either. I mean, actually, to episode 12, maybe. Mm-hmm. Excited Jonathan. Jonathan uh, is normally, he's, he's, so, he's so humble and quiet. He's, he's also like a super fan himself, so him excited from winning i think it just makes me feel so golden to see him happy <laughs> yeah and same thing with david Jin as well did you know he he won robot battles micro battles uh, this sunday oh sweet so yeah that's pretty good what um what weight class is that is that like one pounders one with his beetle weight wasp and uh yeah went straight it's single elim so he went straight through the bracket to the victory to, to, to the finals well, and special the thanks Battle to... BattleBots competitors there, too, so... Yeah, that's Special awesome. thanks to David, by the way, for uh, hooking us up with you, because I know Cam had kind of reached out at one point, but then Dave was like, no, he, he just gets a ton of messages. He's not... He's totally not big-timing you. No, and I, I messaged oh. him on his personal <laughs> Facebook, and he was probably like, who the hell is this guy? So that was my mistake, and that was a while ago, so... Um, but oh, you know, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. We're... I, I think I did... You know, no, I don't apologize. A- Be the villain. <laughs> I have a habit of like. Yeah, how, how could you? How, how could you message me on my personal uh, account? Well, I I don't expect to hear back from Monsoon anytime soon because I think I accidentally messaged them at about three thirty in the morning their time. Oops. <laughs> so I just have that habit. So now, um, I guess we could talk about Sawblaze a bit here. Fun. Um, from. Your first season to second season, you made huge strides with Sawblaze. What was the big changes you made from your first season to second season with that bot? Yeah, the first season for Sawblaze, I think I like to say think of it as a uh, pretty rude awakening, to be honest. So that was in the was basically marked by people would say active weapon rule, like active weapon usage. Mm-hmm. Honestly. The rules, as they were worded in that year, did not quite reflect what they were wanting. You know, something about the other rule set did not have the same language as it did Mm -hmm. April 20th. 
book as it did for the May release to the public, uh, which was the reason why we were pretty upset about it. We are also the first judge's decision of the tournament. So they did the, the rumbles, you know, because they had to get to the 48 us and which doctor rotator. Mm-hmm. So we were originally going to be match number one of the, the general one V one fights. Yeah. To rotator. I think they wanted some crowd hype after the gigabyte, no, not gigabyte invader thing. Oh, okay. We were the very first judge's decision and he ended up doing, I mean, you, if you, you've seen that match, I'm sure. Yeah, it's been a while, but I've seen it. Yeah, we we pretty early uh, were controlling the fight against Razorback. We had a dual exchange with our weapons, which we would lose because we're a saw blade. Turn it off because the wedge was just so effective throughout. And so going by the specific wording in April 20th, which was passive weaponry scores less damage than active weaponry, to me that was interpreted as ultimately deny them, which I thought we did. Mm-hmm. So the split decision was a rude awakening, and uh, when we weren't given a wild card, that was a second rude awakening. So what that's what the difference really was between a season of Sawblaze and the second season, the mm-hmm. 2018 season, is just better knowledge about what they want. Okay. Look at it less from a, I'm fighting in a robot competition to robot competition tv show and i need to be way more aggressive with the thing that which does things i mean yeah drive train is still our number one priority for a number of reasons but between the, the two we are a lot more methodical with the with the use of pins uh, making sure that they can't move so we wouldn't run into a dual exchange situation yeah and then using the weapon again and again a lot more Actually, it's the exact same chassis. We redid the front plow to get more weight. Redid the arm structure so it was a little bit more efficient. Mm-hmm. It was, it's shorter a little bit, but it's the same motors, same C controllers, same gearboxes, same drive motors. Everything was the same in 2016. Okay. Well, I mean, so I guess basically it was just a matter of, uh, you know, understanding what BattleBots wants from you in a match, especially if it goes to the judging. So, um, Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was it was kind of like Rotator in that first season. We got to see we got one crack of seeing you, and it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. And then we didn't get to see you, and that's one of the reasons we kind of like the round robin instead. Is that we get to see? I mean, yeah, if you know, we'll we'll get to see four fights of yours, and you get four chances to make an impression. And you definitely turned it around last year, and were a force in the competition. And um, so. You've got the saw, and obviously you've got the fire. So, can you tell us exactly what you do with saw blades? Like, what your goal is generally in each match, as far as using your weapon, using your push uh, to eliminate your opponent. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at the different types of robots that you've got out there. We're not really a spinner. Like, even this year. You look at that blade, it's not going to be as potent as any of the other spinners in competition. Okay. Sports, I kind of think of us as the the running game. We don't make those big flashy passes. We're endurance. We need to just the game. We control the pace. And some people call us a control bot. And yeah, I guess I tend to agree. Our goal is to we have control of the match and then take a very precise, methodical cuts and impacts at specific locations 
matches where I totally could bring down the blade and I have to wait because it's not the right place, not the right time. Pretty big danger. Uh, this type of robot, you have to be really careful. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to... One thing... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, one, one thing that I, I tell people, actually, it's saw robots. The interesting thing about them is just because the blade, typically, they're, they're so thin and they're, they're pretty fragile. Yeah. Match. You're more like a 200-pound robot guarding 50 pounds hmm. with arm and blade. So it's, it's, so, it's a, a little bit of a handicap sometimes. Like you have to defend your weapon, which is like really weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then you get that chance to use it. A robot is definitely not the easiest thing to do. Uh, I've, you know, I've built a lot of different kinds of robots. Uh, the saw robot is, very, is a lot different. It's a lot harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm gonna admit uh, the you know I, I haven't always been the biggest fan because I'm you know I'm like the typical fan. I want to see like metal parts flying, you know, kinetic energy all over the place. Uh, but and actually this. Um, this year we've talked to Jen who is now on Scorpios and she kind of did a good job of explaining the control bot, how it's not just about all those things, but it can still make a good bot. And I, I, one of the things you did mention earlier was the fact that putting the power into the, the drive is a big priority for you guys. And, and, and it shows cause you guys obviously push people around, uh, what is, would you say, like, the biggest, like, I guess, piece of that puzzle? Like, In the you, drivetrain? Yes. Just to clarify. Correct. Well, you see some of the stat cards that they put out. People put up some really big numbers about horsepower. Mm-hmm. Thing that you can have really powerful motors. You can have a good, reliable gearbox and everything. Definitely, because that's kind of like the muscle of, of your machine. But learned more recently, especially after the 2018 season, is you got to have really good shoes. Hmm. Burning rubber, you're creating smoke. It's wasted power. Uh, so, oh, some really big numbers. If you can't apply it, it doesn't do much for you. And between 2018 and 2019, uh, talking with Will Bales from Hypershock, we actually kind of formed a an, an unofficial ship in that we developed our own tire recipe. Oh, so they told us what they did, and we decided to do some testing, and we invented our own variant of their method. Hypershock tires, in a sense. Really really grippy, kind of squishy uh, rain compound, so it doesn't, doesn't get fouled by the debris on the arena. It's the soft durometer. You get really good grip. We have a action coefficient maybe somewhere between 0.9 and 1 which is really high yeah of course is using the uh, the same drive motors as we are slight twist so i think it's a partnership which has worked out and both robots are totally nailing it with the power and speed oh indeed like anytime um anytime it seems like people talk online about you know who has you know the best drivetrain and far as who is the fastest and i've seen people say you know, Sawblaze and Hypershock are usually the two names that come up most often. I've seen Juan Hu a couple times. They've said it can do up to like 22 miles per hour. could be kilometers. But yeah, I mean, that's something that looks like, um, you know, you've kind of been pushing your opponents around the arena this season. 
uh, include, or I would say, except for Ribot, who basically just hitched a ride with you all over the arena. That was the one time <laughs> that it didn't seem like it was like, well, he's not letting them push because they're jumping on top of him every time. So um, now, did, was it this season that you switched from a brush motor to brushless? Yeah, between 2018 and 2019, we uh, started experimenting with, dr- with brushless drivetrains. Okay. Um, what, did that enable you to put more weight into other parts of the bot? Oh, totally. Uh, the 2018, let's just look at the 2018 drivetrain for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, still, the staple of it is our um, planetary gearboxes from our sponsor, Harmonic Drive. Mm-hmm. Shout the motors, basically. Uh we were using NPC Black Max motors for drives in 2018. That's the same motor that Blacksmith uses for hammers. Okay. Made uh, maybe 15 pounds after we removed weight from it. So they're pretty heavy. Oh, wow. Combined with the gearbox, it's a 20-pound 20, 20 gear motor solution. And then the wheels, the dualies with the aluminum connector pieces, about 30 pounds per wheel gearbox motor solution. So we had bar and drivetrain okay that's 2018 switching out to the brushless a similar power that's we in the controllers and then the motors to get basically a very similar out, uh, power output it'd be like eight pounds or so gearbox oh. being at the same we almost dropped half of one so that's a significant amount when you want to put it onto, say, your blade or your armor or what have you. It's a it's a big deal. Oh, I'm sure. I, I've noticed one thing. Like you said, you one of the things you went about doing was making the front of the robot heavier. It doesn't tip back nearly as much when you get that takeoff. 2019. Yeah, we tried yeah. to we tried to add more. And, you know, it's a funny thing also about the wheel slip. So we have grippier tires gets transmitted the whole robot te- tends to want to torque up so despite the front being a little bit heavier it actually it feels like it pitches a lot more hmm. this wheel slip would actually counteract some of that inertial torque so basically what you're saying is the tires are too good yeah i guess so they're 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 pretty magical i gotta say now I don't know if you can notice jameson kind of he sounds like he's on the phone now which he is because we we are kind of getting some cut out, and we want the the listeners to enjoy. Yeah, um, and Cam can have his notes back. Exactly. Um, I all right. Dumb question here about the bot again. the The saw spins down when you're running it, correct? Yeah, saw spins down. Okay is that is that kind of an always case with the um, with the saw, or is that something like with the vertical spinner that you can reverse it? It's a. Uh, I mean, part of the design. That's something that we want to do. Because when, if the saw or the blade were to spin in the outward direction, we'd mm-hmm. be kicking opponents out of our grip. What we really want to do is to keep them stable. We actually pull them against the hard stop, which is the back of the robot. So in the back of the dustpan, as you notice, design is kind of like a scoop. It's not really great for wedging opponents. And really, we don't want them to go over us. We want them to just stay put. So the saw applying a torque will pull them against into the back stop, the back of the robot, where we can do our cutting with uh, with minimal chance of them moving around. That's why we pull inward versus push outward. Okay. And um, is there what's the big difference between the saws on saw blades and Megatron? 
I mean, I know besides that it's a bigger bot, but I mean, is there much difference between the two? Well, the 2019 saw blades, uh, the alternate blade, the hammer saw, as Chris and Kenny like to call it, actually takes, well, I guess, and, um, and Jenny, as, as, as they like to call it, takes a lot from Megatron's design, actually. So they're very similar in that what we do, we want to charge up a spinning mass. It's designed to be a little bit lighter and a little bit thinner so we can get that high-pressure point delivery and blast through materials that would commonly be seen on the top plate. Uh, between Sawblaze and Megatron, power per weight is probably a lot lower on Sawblaze. Um, that's also because when you scale everything up, the armor doesn't necessarily get much thicker. So we don't need as much power. And, well, by operation, they're pretty much the same thing. Okay. Yeah, I was watching some of the uh, matches last night, like uh, including the one over Huge. So I guess that's a... You know, one up for you on the rivalry as far as the Boston teams are concerned. And with Ribot, so it seems like he's kind of owning Boston right now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now I was speaking of YouTube, were you not the first one that was notified by YouTube that they were taking down your videos due to them being animal cruelty? I don't think I was actually the first one. It may have been sent out simultaneously, but definitely it was brought to my attention when Sarah... Uh, on Team Uppercut actually posted publicly asking within some of the private combat robotics groups being like, hey, does anyone run into this issue? Or I checked it and I got the similar thing and decided to remind everyone, whether they're on my friends list or not, via public post saying, hey, if you've got this issue, make sure you let them know because we're definitely not fighting some animals here. (laughs) And that seems that having that public post seems to have become the reference for a lot of internet news articles have been referencing that <laughs> post specifically. And yeah, it's, it got a lot larger than I thought it would, uh, the entire story. Yeah. And even made it all the way up to, uh, like battle bots post themselves posting on social media, just being like, Hey guys, if anybody knows anybody at YouTube, let's get these videos reinstated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I, it may not have been on YouTube yet, but, um, your bot has done some serious frog abuse, though, in the past. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fresh, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that was the ironic thing, that that whole ordeal was the beginning of the week leading up to the match, uh, episode 11, where it seemed like there was a lot of animal or reptile uh, fighting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just didn't know. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, is YouTube that a... Sensitive to the plight of the half shark, half scorpion. I don't know. Well, I I told David when it's it's horrifying when that frog gets ripped up, man. I was kind of I was kind of glad when he fought you guys that they only stapled it on, so it pretty much came off in one big piece. It wasn't just a bunch of frog parts around the arena. <laughs> nope. Well, we got the arms and legs off first. Uh, we weren't really worried about the the frog camming up our weapon system. It's a pretty low-density foam. It's actually the same stuff that we use to fill tires, different density of the foam, but it, it can shred pretty easily. So, I mean, the team team Ribot knows that for sure, and that's part of the approval process to have it, is that they it cannot be an entanglement device. So all that information had to be verified beforehand. We weren't worried about it. Okay. Now, 
onto a different material. I've just been kind of paying attention to the different um, metals that teams use for their bot on battle bots. And I mean, I've heard of you know teams where the body is made or the plow of like AR four hundred steel, uh, titanium, including the bad batch that uh, Bronco got. Yeah, and even um, you know how does the aluminum on his on duck? So what is um, Sawblaze made of? And I was just going to kind of ask: Is it kind of a design choice? Is it cost prohibitive, or is it a little bit of both? It's definitely a little bit of both. So, I mean, building a BattleBot, like any engineering project, is you know understanding what your requirements are, what your restrictions are, and then how to design within them. Uh, if everyone had unlimited money, they'd probably be making out of some really high performance materials, but. In the end, you know, we're just normal people who like to fight robots, and <laughs> cost becomes a serious limitation. So, when you look at it, a lot of people to a lot of people use AR steels, abrasion-resistant steels, like 400, which is a they're 400, 500. They're both really tough steels, and the number is basically referring to a surface hardness, 500 being a little bit harder and wear-resistant. But it's actually just the mild steel that's used in a bunch of used in mass in kind of agricultural and uh, mining equipment. So it's very easy to come by and it can be machined in a number of different ways, laser cutting, water jet, really fast 2d processes. So if you can cut it, you can weld it, you can get something going with that material pretty quickly, hmm. but it's not always the right answer. So if you need something with a lot of thickness, like you want to build a perimeter of defense, having a lot of steel doesn't always make a lot of sense. So robots like Duck employ that by having the billet aluminum chassis uh, with they, where they have really thick sidewalls that can take a lot of abuse. The material gets chunked out, and kind of like an ablative armor if you go all the way to from aluminum to plastic, like shatter. So there's a little bit of design and in, in, intent behind the material selection as well. Uh, so for Sawblaze, we decide to put the materials and the manufacturing processes where we believe we need them. So all the front plow stuff, we need the, uh, that hardness, that abrasion resistance, and we know it's going to get scrapped. So we put a, a inexpensive machining manufacturing process like water jetting and laser cutting 2D processes. Mm-hmm. We weld it together and we let it get destroyed. We make lots of copies of those, and it's not as expensive as, say, making something like the frame. Yeah, The frame is a few pieces of billet aluminum. Uh, we want them because we can have complex geometries in multiple dimensions. So we can have like say tapped holes in the front and the back to attach things. We have more higher precision machined parts, things that need to mate with one another. So they can't be just uh, like a rough cut steel. They have to be precision machined So everything fits together. And we don't expect it to get hit very often uh, as long as everything works. And as long as, you know, I'm awake that day, <laughs> Uh, so we can keep it safe, and we don't have as many spears of that, but the back of the chassis stays relatively nice. So, you know, it's your, it's the material, is it in the right application? And then there's also manufacturing and the cost behind it. Uh, we also use titanium and some plastics in their appropriate places as well. Yeah, I saw the plastic um, when they were talking before the uh, tombstone fight, I saw some plastic inserts in there. I thought that was really cool. It's something, I mean, when you see all this metal just colliding violently and you hear about something like 
plastic or even you know a foam of ribot or even the ablative armor, it's kind of cool to see because you just can't fathom that being used in such a violent sport. And it's just it's cool that all the unique ways you guys come up with to use these things, uh, you know, to kind of you know enhance your defense systems on there. So that's really cool. Uh, if money oh, was yeah. oh go ahead sorry. Oh, yeah, the, the, the rubber, that's right. I almost forgot about the rubber. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, so a lot of builders, they tend to think about how can I tough out a hit? You know, I have to absorb all of it or I have to deflect it. But there's something that's I think is underappreciated that you just kind of really capitalize on is not necessarily deflecting energy or taking it or being able to withstand it is actually to absorb it over time, which is what a compliant material or a compliant mechanism will do. Huge's wheels, they're made of plastic are a great example. They're so big that the material doesn't fail when they're subjected to a, a big force, like a horizontal spinner or landing from X, Y, Z, whatever, how many feet in the air. Yeah. Uh, it's a, I think it's, it's underappreciated, and I hope that we see more interesting designs using rubbers and plastics in the future. Absolutely. Now, personally, I think copperhead should be made out of copper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh, no, would be cool. no, go ahead. Oh, no, that was, that was just kind <laughs> of a, uh, I mean, that was basically all I had on that is I was just, if money was no object, what might you use on your machine? Like if, let's say, I don't, Jeff Bezos decides, I want to fund your team, money is no object, just win the title. What do you think you might go with? Ooh, ooh! I don't know. Um, I'm gonna go I, mean, with I think some I'd vibranium. make first of all a, a vibranium. <laughs> if that were an obtainable material, I would totally go for it. Uh, and we maybe we'll make it. We'll make a spinning piece of metal with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I mean, I think we'd use a lot more titanium. It's really expensive, but it, for, you know, strength to weight, it really is the the real deal. The difficulty is, of course, in the basically the processing because welding titanium, which is you know probably one of the more common ways of attaching it to itself, is uh, is non-trivial. It's really hard to do, and even for experienced teams, if you if something is wrong, the material is not quite right, or the process, the environment that you're actually welding it in, can mean a a stress in the material or the weld, and it could break. Uh, it's a big deal, and it's really kind of scary. Uh, we haven't done any titanium welding because we're not sure how to do it. <laughs> yeah, they had uh, on Savage Builds after BattleBots one of the times they they actually 3D printed a an Iron Man suit out of titanium, and I can't mm. imagine how much that had to cost. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, maybe, and this is kind of like uh, my my kind of pipe dream is that 3D printing becomes a primary manufacturing technology some point in time in the future. It's not quite there yet. It's it's still it's still really expensive. It's still kind of slow. But if you were to make it faster, you could probably make it less expensive because you're making so many more parts, and you can utilize a very specific advantage is that you almost have customization for free. So you could cater towards specific manufactured parts for different customers simultaneous. And it might just take off, but we'll see the future. You never know what'll happen. Yeah, and that could that could really open up the sport to some like new amateurs trying to you know, not necessarily like successfully, but I think you could get a lot more people um, 
entering this sport if it was a little more cost prohibitive and if, yeah, like 3D printing was more the norm. So that would be pretty cool. Now, I was going to ask you... I think you, you're right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We actually... Oh, sorry. Huh? No, go ahead. Uh, we actually see a lot of 3D printing in the smaller weight classes, actually. So printing in plastics and high-performance composites in that sense are actually... It's very much now. And even for some of the more startup 3D printing companies that are actually doing metals, we're starting to see the production of weapons for those uh, smaller weight classes out of performance materials too. So it's really interesting. This is just the beginning. Yeah, that would be so. Uh, one of my beetle weights, actually, at Silent Spring, at one point uh, was running a 3D printed chromoly steel drum uh, that I then hardened in uh, you know a furnace and uh, oil quench and uh, fought it and held up great. It was just as good as any other any other weapon that they had out there. Actually, won the event with it. It's pretty sweet. Which bot was that? I mean, is there any uh, video online of that one? Yeah, that's uh, my Beetleweight Silent Spring. Okay, it's uh, it's a modular robot, so it can swap between like a vertical drum and then an undercutter blade. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's cool. Like. It's probably cool to tool around in like smaller weight classes too with different weapons because then you can kind of test them, you know, how well your design is on those, and then see if it possibly scales up. Maybe not beetle weight, but at least the thirty pound weight. Oh, definitely. Uh, the thirty pounder has been kind of like the proving ground. It's uh, been a experimental platform for saw blades, actually, in the 20, especially in twenty nineteen, as you know. We're implementing very similar weapons. Uh, the success of of my featherweight Megatron for you know two years at Motorama has been a major contributor to wanting to adopt that weapon style. That's cool. Go ahead, Brian. I know this. So this is one of my favorite questions that I know Cam has asked before. But if you could drive anybody else's robot in a, in a BattleBots fight, who would you pick and why? Ooh, so. I, I kind of really want to find out what some of these four-wheel drive robots perform like. So I'm looking at a lot of whiplash and a lot of bite force, but I really want to drive Hypershock. Fair. Because that thing can absolutely go. Uh, only if Will Bales lets me replace his 3D-printed pulleys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was... He had that thing in Orlando last year at the Maker Fair, and uh, kind of trying to test it out, obviously without the front spinner. But it was impressive the work they had to do just to get it to work. Uh, they they took it apart and put it together so many times before they finally got it running. So, but it seems to have, yeah, all that that work seems to have paid off this year. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the story in general for any of these robots. It's it's a lot of work in the background just to get it working. Um, you know, people, people watching the show, they see a robot and it kind of dies out after a little bit. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's, it's part of the process. Uh, it's hard to understand all the work that goes into trying to get one of these things just to go in a straight line reliably. I know. Yeah. It's something we've learned to appreciate. Now, now you've got, um, your team is a fairly big team. I think you have 11 or 12 people on it. So where did you, um, are, are these people from MIT or these people you've met along the way? But how did you put together this team? So, yeah, the original team in 2016 was five people. We were, um, we were kind of mentors and coworkers. We were grad students at MIT who all worked at this uh, student-run shop called the Maker Workshop. 
And so I knew I could trust them. They knew how to make tools uh, or make make parts and knowing a variety of different manufacturing techniques. They're really passionate about making things and competition. So that starting team, we, you know, went 2016 and they all returned for 2018. We added two undergrads, uh, Mason Massey and Alex Satori, who, as you may know, are now on team uppercut. They started their own team. Very proud of them. Yeah. And this year, we have, uh, you know, some of the original members weren't able to fully commit their time because they have full-time jobs. They're in the middle of doing some really important life decisions, and they're good ones. Don't worry. <laughs> so we also added a lot of students at MIT who are interested in getting their start into combat robotics and making things. They just wanted to be a part of something really cool. So we gave them a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, that's... That's definitely uh, some great on-the-job training right there. I mean, especially on a team like yours. I mean, it's because we see some of the startup teams, and yeah, I mean, it's. I know a lot of these guys are probably you know grinding at the smaller levels, but it's good to see you know be able to like take it all in at something like this too. Like we're helping to make something that's going to be on BattleBots and a team that's successful at BattleBots too. So now, when a a couple of team members, like you said, they you know, break off and form uppercut, do you immediately become rivals or do you, is it just one of those things where you don't want to have to face them because you, do, you don't want there to be a loser? I mean, yeah, I mean that, that's kind of the case with a lot of the competitors out there. We're actually really good friends in the background. Uh, like David, for example, David Jin from Ribot. I mean, he's over here right now. He's having fun. Uh, <laughs> I think they're playing Overwatch. Uh, we're just really good friends, Leanne of Valkyrie, Jonathan of Huge. Like, we don't really want to fight each other because some one of us is going to take a loss. But, you know, it's all good fun. Uh, if we were to face them, like, we would face each other. We would give it our all. We would smile about it. Do we really want to face them? Not really because, you know, we want everyone to be successful, all of our friends to be successful. So it's really difficult sometimes. So I don't know. I give them my I give them my cheer as hard as I can. If we have to fight, then we have to fight. Yeah, and that's kind of like what we had to do with uh with David and Ribot. Yeah, I try to get people to talk trash all the time, and nobody ever wants to talk any real trash. It's just it's very disheartening. <laughs> well, when he said you know that his team had some MIT undergrads on it, I was gonna say, well, good thing you didn't get the WPI kids. They can't even change a tire. Ooh. Oh, I was kidding though. Trust me. <laughs> I just tell David. No, I was just I wanted to start. All right, now, so. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so you guys beat Ribot a couple of weeks ago. Well, obviously not, you know, on the show a couple of weeks ago. And they gave mm-hmm. you a cupcake for your birthday. How was the cupcake? It was pretty sweet. <laughs> Figuratively, uh, literally. It was a huge, it was actually a huge surprise. So I had no idea they were going to do anything. I thought they were just going to roll with it like just any other fight. So... Uh, I was expecting to do the post fight interview with Kenny, and then all of a sudden comes up this this cupcake with a lit candle, and it you know it realistic on that day it was my birthday, so uh, it's really cool being around your friends and your hobby, uh, just folks being really excited, and you know of course getting the win. My parents were in the crowd as well. Uh, I was uh, overwhelmed. I haven't had a birthday party or anything like that in such a long time. I didn't even know what to do. Uh, I blew up the candle before they sang happy birthday. <laughs> I had no idea what to do. <laughs> I mean, getting a W, though, being on TV, I mean, that's that, that checks all the boxes, I think, for a great birthday. Yeah, but Parents now you, are there. Now you have to blame BattleBots, okay. though, for not getting a birthday party. 
<laughs> I, I, I embarrass myself too. Um, actually, uh, Lucy pr- prepared yet another surprise for me in the pits as well. So it was just super great. Uh, and they, the builder builders, while we were, I think we were repairing after the robot fight, they actually went back to the hotel early and filled up my room with balloons, like to the ceiling almost. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a good prank. I've seen some videos of, of, of Will, Will Bales messing around with balloons. It's pretty funny. Maybe maybe he'll share them someday. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. That, that or like popcorn in your car, but that could really ruin the interior. So I'd go with the <laughs> balloons. I like that. Now, yeah, it's a rental, you know. Do what they do what they will. That's <laughs> yeah, true. All right. Now, since you know, you are a gamer and a BattleBots captain, so I have to ask, uh, would you want a BattleBots game like on PC, Xbox, PlayStation? Absolutely yes. Uh I'll go for any sort of any I mean the BattleBots, this is my dream. This yeah. is probably my biggest dream. It's the whole reason why I became an engineer or started studying or playing with any like tinkering with anything. Huh. A game would be super cool. Uh, I'm just happy to be involved with it at all. Uh, if they had a toy, wink. Oh please. yeah, that'd I'll... be the icing on the cake as well. Dude, there's got to be a Hexbugs toy Sawblaze. That's a perfect one for, at least in my mind, that's one of the perfect ones they could do for a Hexbug toy. I didn't. I thought there was already one out there. To be honest with you, do you want the kids playing with saw blades though? You could make it like a peppermint or something. <laughs> oh, for the flame? Yeah, but if they did like a chemistry kit or something like that. I mean, a lot of people ask us, how do we make the flame green? It's it's like a, you know, a experiment you do in middle school or high school chemistry. It's just burning salts in different kinds, and they burn different colors. Uh, it would be really cool for kids to learn about chemistry by just doing that experiment. Now, we did learn something interesting. You are, in fact, a Florida boy. And uh, the, the Florida teams are really bringing it with the costumes. Is there any? And you say, you know, we mentioned cosplay earlier. Are there any plans to bring costumes to Sawblaze? Oh, we've, we've had a few ideas, proposals at various points in time. It's kind of hard to get everyone to agree with it. Uh, you know, my team's got like a very large background. So, you know, we do want to be serious. We also don't necessarily have all the time to put in a lot of effort to build and make costumes. I'm super shocked at how good of a job some of these teams do with their costumes. Like which doctor blows my mind. They've got an awesome robot. They've got an awesome team and the costumes are they're out of this world for, for engineering. Like you don't really see too much of that. If we could do something like that, I'd be really proud. I'd be impressed, but we uh especially this season we were super short on time i don't know but i'd like to keep that open if we can have some costumes i don't know maybe we'll uh we get enough yays from from the the crowd maybe we'll, we'll work on something uh sooner just, than later just model it after anything that breathes fire <laughs> yeah you do the dragon we at uh, one point try to play up maybe we'll do like a ninjas or something i don't know but not <laughs> Just, everyone swings that way so like yeah i don't want to i don't want to do that but so we'll figure it out understood now we won't keep you much longer i think we only got a couple more questions here but um so you've gone to you went to school in atlanta and boston which accent do you think you can do a better impersonation of a georgia accent or a boston accent oh boy oh boy as you okay. can tell we've entered the serious portion of the podcast here 
<laughs> well, let's see. Let me take first a, a drink of water here. Oh, this is how we know it's going to be I mean, good. just because I've been in Boston more, I think I could probably do a Boston accent a little bit better. Hey. But uh, hmm. maybe if you asked me a few years ago, I could have pulled out some Southern twang real, real nice. <laughs> hey. No, I love that. You nailed it. All right. That was pretty now, good. Cam does Boston better, I think. Who, me? Yeah, you. <laughs> well, I just say, like, facking a lot. And just, like, wow, what, Tom Brady? Come on. Yeah, that's all you got. It's, that's all you got. You want to go? You want to freaking go? Like, fucking yeah. Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you actually, you know, for in terms of accents, you know, for me, it's about what I hear. And so I guess it's kind of context-related. So, unfortunately... I'd probably have to be yelling something at somebody for it to be Boston. <laughs> and maybe if I'm just kind of sweet talking a little bit, it might some friendly conversation might end up a little more Southern, you know? Yeah, I'm guessing on campus <laughs> at MIT, you don't get a lot of Tommy from Quincy like yelling at you. Or <laughs> or a whole lot of y'all. <laughs> so um <laughs> I now I I was like um I was sifting through uh your Instagram. I saw some pictures you had at Disney over um like the new year. You kind of seem to have a pet peeve I do too, and that's with like any kind of show or fireworks or something. Just thousands of cameras go up. Did that irk you too, as much as it irks me? Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I guess it's. Um, I mean, we go to live shows for the experience, right? Yeah. So, in some ways, like you want to remember the experience, but if you're trying too hard to record it, you're losing out on the moment. Um, and never mind that. You're recording the moment might ruin the moment for someone else. So my whole thing about that is either you take a picture real fast just to just to tell people you were there. Mm-hmm. Don't necessarily record the whole thing because I'll literally put everything down, shut everything off, and just in that moment, I want to believe that this is the only time I'll get to see it. And that makes me appreciate that moment just a little bit more than I, I would otherwise. Yeah, I, so, I, I agree that's with that. my thing. I mean, everyone's everyone's got opinions, and that's just my thing. So, oh yeah, I, I wish I had like applause queued up on a sound effect here because yeah, I'm I'm exactly the same way. So yeah, I I notice myself doing that more is not like I, I was that guy that would like record some of it, take pictures, and I'm like, you know what, I'm like seeing the show on this tiny little screen when it's just like right in front of me. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the- I mean, it's not to say that I, I haven't also done that before too, but. When I play it back, it just doesn't feel the same. Like, yeah, doesn't do it justice. If I was watching it, it's you know fireworks, boom, it's right in front of you, all the colors and the sound, it does everything. It's right there. Exactly. Now, let's see here. Which, what do you think is more of a kind of, let's say, euphoric experience? Is it the first time that you fire up a robot, something that you've created with like your mind and you know your hands? Or is it the first hit, or the first time that you lay a hit on somebody in the box? Which one of those is just more of a like zen moment for you? Well, for fighting robots, it's a little bit of both. Okay. If it if it moves, you know, moves around, it's like all right, all right, we got our first steps in, but you never know if it's going to break until you hit something. I mean, you can kind of give your best guess, you know, do some engineering, run some numbers. But when you deliver that first blow and it still works, it is the really exciting moment. So uh, when we were using the new weapon, the hammer saw against Blacksmith, when we got, we're only at 40%, we don't know what it's going to do. We got that first hit 
and it spun up again and it did a little bit of damage to the top. We were ecstatic. I was like, yes, let's do it again. <laughs> Heck yeah. Ah, that's yeah. That was, that was a huge moment of relief. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I can see it. You know, there, there is, like you said, you were very expressive out there and I, I can tell that it's definitely something that gets your general adrenaline flowing. And that's really cool to me. Cause I mean, it does us just watching on the couch sometimes. So it's got, I know it's got to be just that much more sweet in person. And especially, like I said, if it's something that you've thought up from concept to creation, that's got to be an awesome feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. All right. So um, I guess we'll let you rejoin the party there. Tell David we said hello. Well, I can't let oh. you go, though. Oh, he's got to ask his question <laughs> that he asked of everyone. Sorry. I asked this to everyone. Oh, oh, oh. All right. All right, bring it to me. And I can always I can drag them in there too. I yeah. mean, since I'm on the phone especially, I can just go into the other room and uh we can have some fun time too if you want. Yeah, sure. Well, I just wanted to ask you before you bring the phone in there, is is a hot dog and a bun a sandwich? Oh, wait. I think <laughs> oh, I, I didn't understand the context of this uh <laughs> before because David, you guys talked with David before and then Yeah. <laughs> he he mentioned this as offhand, uh, and I didn't understand that. <laughs> it's a very important the question. Why to me. he said this is a hot dog a sandwich? Is that the question well, I get right? It, well, That's correct. That, well, no, the proper full question is because actually I, somebody did bring this. Uh, it's a good point. If you just say hot dog, that's just a tube of meat. But if you say a hot dog in a bun, is that a sandwich? Mm. Does a sandwich have to be plainer? Like is a corn dog a sandwich? That I mean, well, uh, I, I think that's just a battered covered hot dog. But <laughs> but if it's cornbread, and cornbread is bread, and bread with meat in between it is a sandwich, isn't it? Okay, well, okay. So I would say a is corn it? dog. I, I, I would know. say a corn dog is a type of sandwich. Now yeah. is is a hot dog but, and a but, bun a but, taco? Uh, taco. So, okay, <laughs> let me ask you an, another another potential uh, sandwich. Like I'm getting thrown back at question. me. All right, <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna get down to a final solution together. So, if <laughs> if the bread is connected at any point in time, is it one piece? Does that constitute the two pieces of bread required for for clamping in a sandwich or so? But who says that a sandwich has to have two distinct pieces of bread it just ha- it just has to be bread with meat in the middle of it hmm <laughs> you guess guys no are... one said <laughs> i will say this is probably the most in-depth conversation i've had after this question oh, guys... I gotta... okay and <laughs> appar- <laughs> apparently there is a national like hot dog association that the guy gets this question all the time, like it, several times a day. I think like asking the smartest people we talk to questions about hot dogs. Probably, <laughs> Cam hates this question. Well, if, there, if there's a National Hot Dog Association, you should probably put that on his website then. Uh, he, he did. To he, settle he, once he, and for all. He says it's not a sandwich, but I, I don't accept that answer. And that's I believe that's a good scientific process to keep questioning. Let's ask Lucy. Hey, Lucy. Is a hot dog in a bun a sandwich? <laughs> David says, oh my God, why are they asking that question again? He, he asked me about the taco. <laughs> oh, oh, the yeah. truth comes out. We're going on speakerphone now. I got David and Lucy here. 
Hey guys, how's it going? Howdy, howdy. Hey, Hi. Hey, Lucy. Hi, I think there's too much speaker chatting going on right now. <laughs> Hello? Hi, you there? Hello? Hello? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, so Lucy, what do you? What is your opinion on is a hot dog a sandwich? In a bun. Hot dog in a bun. It's a hot dog in yeah. a bun a sandwich. Oh. Um, it's a sandwich if the bun is two different pieces. That's fair. It can be with a hot dog. It doesn't always. My I always break mine in half, so I, I would I would accept it there. Then you do it wrong. I think you break it in half and you put them like opposite the hot dog. That's, that's the that's the route that I was going when they asked me about the taco. So what you're saying said, is if you leave the buns connected, be... it's not a sandwich? I don't know. That means a, a, a hot dog bun still connected is actually a taco. Depends on what you define as a sandwich. I've actually never thought about my my stance on the philosophy of what a sandwich is. <laughs> you see this, Cam? This, this is the question that is going to destroy the education of America. Because look at the, we have all these... All these smarts, and we're, none of us can agree, and it's this is awesome. I love it. It's, it's like, my, I, like, I, like, why don't you uh, ask an easier question? Like, what does Will Bale smell like? <laughs> well, we've smelled him in person, so we know. Yeah, it was, <laughs> even after a hot day, it was fairly fresh. So I don't. All right, who is the best Overwatch player in that room right now? I'm sorry. Who's the best Overwatch player in that room right now? In that room, yeah, uh, it might be me. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even they give David that. that. You had to kill his frog, and you can't even give him Overwatch. That's just not fair. I want to be nice, you know. We we got different roles. He plays uh, supports and stuff. I do damage and tanks. You know, we we're it's a symbiotic relationship. We support each other. So, <laughs> is, is there a game that he's better than you at? Rocket League? Anything? Definitely Rocket League. I know this for sure because I don't play Rocket League. Oh, okay. <laughs> what about Lucy? Is she? What game does she have on you guys? Um, let's see. Probably Disney trivia. Oh, sweet! I would have got some trivia. I would have got some Disney no, trivia. David, David, not your favorite. It's what video game you're better than me at. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry, interrupting. Uh, he was talking. He was yelling at me because he can hear me now that I've opened the door. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we won't keep you too much longer. Uh, we don't want you to miss out on the party. Yeah, you but. guys have fun. Um, yeah, well, thanks. Thanks a lot for get, coming on, though. Um, appreciate you throwing that question out to them. But uh, yeah, we'll let you guys get gaming. We appreciate you coming on. And though. as always, not as not as big a jerk as TV Eight makes you out to be. He's talking about me. <laughs> no, no you're a great guy. Oh, fighting words. <laughs> I was on TV. I mean, you know, I can ham it up a little bit. You know, if, especially if I'm fighting Charles, uh, we got we got to go that extra twenty percent. You know. Oh yeah! Before we let you go, um, any sponsors that you didn't mention? Oh yes, the, of course. Oh yeah! So we are extremely thankful for all the sponsors that we've had this season. It's been a really challenging, tight timeline. This is probably, you know, other than 2016, it's a super fast build, and it was a pretty expensive one at that. We were dealing with a lot of, you know, life issues as well. So we are really thankful for all the sponsors that support us. Big thanks to Vex Robotics, of course, SolidWorks, Desktop Metal, 
MIT and the MIT Edgerton Center, Cutter's Edge Fire Rescue Sauce, Free Fly Systems, uh, Harmonic Drive, MaxAmps.com, and the MIT Lincoln Laboratory. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, and again, thanks for coming on. Um, nice guy and an outstanding team, and good luck the rest of the way, even though you've already recorded it. Just know we'll be rooting for you, especially me, maybe not Brian as much, because he hates <laughs> well, you. Well, me, <laughs> me more now than, uh, you know, previous. Yeah. But, There's um, still time to turn to the saw side. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, Mom, are your shirts on the uh, BattleBots website for sale? Yep, we have shirts on sale. We have them in unisex sizes. We have youth sizes. We even have a specialty women's cut with a low, not really that low, but it's a V-neck, so a lot of, uh, you know, and women's fitted, of course. And now new to the webpage, we have stickers. Stickers available on the BattleBots website, $5 for a pack of four in our two different types, the Sawblaze text and the dragon, the flaming dragon symbol. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, since the color scheme's awesome, I, I may not be able to turn that down because I color scheme probably my favorite in BattleBots right now, so I'm all over it. Oh, thank you very much. All right, so we won't we keep went through it. a bunch of different colors. And uh, big thanks to Amy Zhao, our friend at MIT, who helped with all the artwork, actually. So she she did it for just for a friend, and we're really thankful. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's just a favor. That's an outstanding job. So. All right. Well, um, yeah, we won't keep you. Happy gaming, and thanks again for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. All right. Take care. All righty, folks, <laughs> and we are back. A great guy. I feel bad that we said that he's kind of portrayed as a jerk on the show because he could not be a no. nicer guy. And that was by far the most in-depth we've ever talked about a hot dog on this podcast. And, and I mean, just explaining the saw, um, he's an incredibly smart guy. I just felt almost bad asking about a hot dog because, yeah. But big thanks also. To hey, clearly the most enjoyable, like most fun excited he got was when he got asked about the hot dog and we get a special guest appearance from david jennigan and uh, lucy do from his team yeah. so uh thanks to you guys for uh saying hello in the midst of your overwatch game we appreciate that yeah it's always hard to take a break from video games when you're in the thick of it yeah and i you know forgot that he was going to the orlando maker fair it's it's a thick list. There's like 17 or 18 yeah, teams. I mean, like there was quite a few people last year, but I th- it's all it almost seems like it's doubled this year. And it's no, if you're going expecting Sawblaze and Tombstone and all that, guess what? They're not going to those bots aren't going to be there. But no. it's just as exciting seeing these guys with another bot. If anything, sometimes it's more interesting because you're like, "Ooh, I've never seen you know, Ray with a pincher or you know something like that so it's actually pretty interesting to see these guys interact with different bots still gonna keep saying slicey dicey my favorite bot name ever and uh <laughs> like kurt's just awesome he throws that thing down and is just like if you can't take that then why bother and so quickly we can touch on a little bit of the fights this week yeah. we actually got our first glimpse of extinguisher for about two seconds yes and uh, i mean it, I feel bad because it's like, yeah, here's some fights that didn't air. And it 
like they showed all these rumbles that were on it's like why aren't we getting to see these seriously and it's like oh deep six had a loss and we're all kind of thinking that they were two and oh and part of me was like sitting there kind of thinking well what about deep six they're two and oh well they weren't really two and oh yeah part of and i just i kind of do wish that they would air those fights and i'm sure they will after the fact but you know, put them on, put them on like discovery.com. If you want, put them behind a paywall on, on your, uh, the Facebook thing that they do where you can be like a paid oh, the member. Battlebot supporters. Something. And just, you know, maybe release them that week and just be like, hey, um, <clears throat> check out these three extra matches on discovery.com. You could put a couple commercials in and I don't care. Yeah. I'll, you know, I'll watch. I think people that like this are going to consume about as much media of it as they can. So, I mean, even if you tell some people, like, hey, we've got a match here between Gemini and Mammoth, people will watch. I would watch. Yeah. And yeah, Mammoth has had five fights. That's pretty mm. weird, too. And once again, they ate Foxtrot. And I know they ate Fox at the Maker Fair last year. Yeah. And they fought Foxtrot again, and they ate him again. And they, yeah, they got the victory. Someone must have tipped them off, like, hey, they ate Foxtrot last time. <laughs> Do that fight. Did you see that they like screwed a tire onto the end of their punter arm? Nah, I guess to get a little more traction off that. They they hit you so hard with those fights that was so fast and so quick, and I haven't got a chance to watch it a second time yet, that I was just kind of dumbfounded by everything. But um so congratulations to John Flack though for tying the best all time start at BattleBots at one and oh. Nice future hall of famer <laughs> so let's get I, into hopefully the, we will get to see him again if the what the science channel ever starts airing their episodes with bonus fights yeah they can show his fight on like a tuesday at midnight and if he has a watch party i'm showing up because it's such a cool kid yeah so uh so this week you know quite a few of the guys we've talked to uh had some big fights uh, shatter started things off against minotaur and i was Super bummed that the hammer wasn't working properly again because their armor certainly was doing the job against Minotaur. I kind of have a feeling that that ablative armor is going to get copied a lot next season because yeah. it's been a real success. And even um, the is it Mechanum or Mechanum wheels? Mechanum wheels? I don't know. That, that strafing around is really accurate. It's awesome. And again, I love it. They not a bad showing against Minotaur. I mean, it's still Minotaur. They've had some losses this season, but I think they kind of fixed their problems in the second half of the season, though. Yeah, I mean, the drum spinner was working the entire time, and you know, kind of chewing. I mean, it was chewing on the armor like it's supposed to. Now, I guess in one sense, you could say that. I mean, that kind of goes against you in terms of like scoring damage points and stuff. Yeah, but at the same time, it's doing what it's supposed to do and keeping your bot functional. But unfortunately, Shatter's hammer just wasn't at full power. Yeah, I mean, if it goes to a decision, that might be against you. Possibly after the judges, if you get the same judges after the season, can maybe go back and take a look at that and see, hey, this is doing what it's supposed to do. It's not necessarily damage. I'm sure they probably know that. They're more knowledgeable at this than we are. But at the same time, you're just staring there watching this fight like live. I don't know what else you'd have to go on other than peace on floor equal damage. Yeah. So, uh, you know. And so next week, I mean, we had Son of Waiachi and Kraken ended predictably. 
uh, with Kraken upside down. I mean, I didn't know if it was going to knock Kraken around that much because Kraken seems to be able to take hits pretty well. But yeah, Son of Waiachi is Son of Waiachi. Um, you know, a good vertical spinner or a flipper might wind up getting the best of them. The only good thing, I guess, is the only good flipper right now is also theirs. Yeah. So, you know, you could kind of control that if you want. If they, yeah, happen- I mean, what happens like if if you get matched up in the tournament? Do you just kind of say, well, "I'm just not going to do this" because I like I don't want Hydra to to die? Basically, I, I would assume right now Hydra's somewhere around third or fourth, and Son of Waiachi probably in that seven eight range. I would imagine they would keep them separated until, like, at worst, the semis. And then, I don't know, I guess you would just have, like, another one of those Ewart brothers, like, drive whichever one yeah. you care less about. Which would you care about less right now, if you were them? Like, Ooh. if you're, like, if your two bots met in the semis, and you're like, okay, the winner here is taking on the Bite Force Witch Doctor, hypothetically, even though I think those teams are 1-2. Yeah, I mean really it's like which one may have a chance it's we really haven't seen hydra tested it's like you don't know how well that like low profile and slanted armor works to deflect horizontal spinners or spinners of any kind really true so it's kind of hard i mean i guess you would have to see like how well that works and then i guess determine on that like which just which one has a better chance of winning i guess Speaking of not being tested, Railgun Max versus Juan Hu. Railgun Max has three wins now. They're three and yeah. Really have not been tested at all. Uh, they fought that turtle bot from the college kids that just scored a crap. And Railgun Max has actually caught fire or their weapon has stopped working every one of their fights. Well, and Railgun Max's weapon stopped working in this fight too. Basically, it just became a push, push match that I fast forwarded through. And a post match. But yeah, I, I, that's who I was talking about. I was talking about Railgun Max. Their weapon has stopped working every time. I kind of feel like if their third match ends in like a very bad knockout for the other, t- like if they finally put them up against somebody decent. Yeah. Let's say Scorpios. And Scorpios just eats their freaking lunch. Do you put them in the tournament at three and one? Uh, probably. I, just because of. Just because if you look at the records of some, there's so many bots that are two and two right now, or like three and two or two and three, you know, from the Desperado tournament, there's it's gonna be a crowded midfield. So if you're if you finish three and one, no matter who they put you up against, I've got to imagine. I guess I would be hard pressed to put a three and one Wanhu in there over like a two and two huge or even a two and two Ribot or somebody like that. It it might be one of those things where say there's like a vertical spinner rumble mm-hmm. that they have to go yeah. through so somebody that won't be a part of that vertical spinner rumble is certainly witch doctor uh maybe rivaling any bot in this competition for highest hit and they're like oh we turned the weapon down this match yeah really <laughs> well and it it still blew out the motor so I'm kind of interested to talk to them again, just to like when, when I mean, we see them just, in Orlando. Just say like, how on earth they Adam Vinatieri the shit at a gigabyte that entire match, just punting yeah. them like up in the freaking wall. I I mean, we were losing our minds at my house. Yeah, it knocked the uh, Lexan cover off and everything. I mean, it it was crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, I I said last week how Endgame may have had like the the knockout of the year. Yeah, well, we have another competitor now because yeah. Jesus, they are rolling. And I mean, I, co-favorite at this point, or do you still say it's Bite Force's title until it's Oof. not? Yeah, I'd I'd have to go that way. Uh, just because they haven't lost since what 2017, I think. Yeah, 2016, I, something like that. But it is close. I mean, you barely stick a paper through that wire thin, and it is that close right yeah. now. Because Witch Doctor looks fan freaking tastic and looked great in the live event that took place afterwards. I mean, I know you're you shouldn't really take that into account because that happened yeah after the filming, but still, w- yeah. when you've got a bot that can eat tombstone and bronco yeah you can't help but to factor that in a little bit Bloodsport over breaker box whatever not that bad no it's it is that bad i mean i'm not saying breaker box is awful not great but uh blood sports is awful that's one of those guys if we get that guy on he'll probably admit that it's awful all right well i mean i don't think blood sports that bad i mean i think they're a team that's they're capable of beating like the bottom third of bots in this competition And they've got and, a pretty. They're a mid pack bot. They, they've got a pretty good horizontal spinner. Considering I really wasn't sure it was going to work. Yeah. So good. And for then them. your favorite bot, Whiplash, up against Texas Twister. This is like one of the few times I'll ever root for Whiplash. That's <laughs> a good bot. It's a good, good bot. But, uh, um, it's an. It's one of those. Like I told Jameson, it's one of those ones that just pushes stuff around, and it's a. It's control. That's yes. what it is. So Whiplash does uh, some certain team captains a favor and takes down Texas Twitter. I mean, Twister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like handily, too. I mean, that thing. That was not a Freudian slip well, and, right there. That was intense. And what kills me is the fact that it's like he started the match upside down. And it's like, it's Valkyrie. Well, it's not Valkyrie because it's not as good. <laughs> no, it's it's clearly a worse version of Valkyrie. Texas but, Twister kind of they they might wind up in a rumble but I mean they should be thankful if they are. Yeah. Cuz they just have not looked. I mean they did beat um Black they, Dragon earlier this season in a another controversial decision. They can last for like two hits. Call call them Captain Shredderator. Yeah. Oh man. This is where that girl got her nose broke. Sorry. We're watching I football didn't know that. and <laughs> The Notre Dame quarterback just chucked the ball up, and it just drilled this Louisville cheerleader in her nose, and I heard it broke her nose. Ooh, that's unfortunate. That's just that's a dick move, quarterback from Notre well, Dame. Well, you want to know somebody else that had a big, giant nose? Bronco put a big, giant big nose giant on nose. Yeah, whatever. The unicorn horn. Yeah, I still don't really understand the point of that, but... I, I didn't quite either... Um, maybe they got a better batch of titanium this week. I don't know. Yeah, see, that looked painful. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> but <laughs> had to rewind. Huge whoop their ass. I mean, I know. Well, okay. I know Broncos down. Yeah, I, I don't think you can say whoop their ass. I mean, they got some good shots in. It's just that huge is a very bad matchup for Bronco. I well, they flipped. I mean, they they launched huge a couple times, and it just didn't look like it mattered. Yeah, it was kind of like. Punching a couch. Like, now, it's not going to hurt the couch if I punch your couch right now. 
Well, no, uh, they did like they put so they huge put on their Facebook page that that those tosses probably would have broken last year's version, but yeah, this I mean, year's version is obviously much stronger. So props to Peter and those wheels. I mean, yeah, it's such a genius design. It really is. I mean, it's one of those bots you can't help but root for because of just the the unconventionality of it, and yet it just works. I mean, it's kind of like shatter too i mean it's just something where they're going so against the grain and i think it even surprises you know some of these competitors where they're like i can't believe this works but it does yeah and i'm i'm curious to see them fight like another son of waiachi or ice wave just to kind of see what their strategy would be because they've they've used that shorter bar twice now and I, you know it's failed to work either time so I wonder if they just go with the long bar and hit them weapon to weapon and just see what happens. Now, did you notice that um, they had the weapon spinning upward this week instead of downward? Yes. it's It normally is spinning upward. I think last week was the exception. Okay. And I did not know that. I didn't know if this was maybe like an attempt to not blow another motor. <laughs> no, I think because basically they were just trying to aim down on Gigabyte to you know, pinch in those windows, but, but I, I think they, it normally spins upwards. I thought they gave Bronco a dirty beat down, though. Is is Bronco washed, by the way? I I think Bronco's just, like... They I, can't I, keep churning out that same 2015 model and expecting to win. Right. That, I mean, that's kind of what it looks like is happening. They're just slapping a new paint job on it, but the bot itself looks exactly the same. I mean, it could be that there's some improvements under the hood, Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's what broke the flipper is that the flipper is so much like the firing mechanism is stronger, but the arm wasn't, and so it just you know fractured the middle of it. But it's yeah, a bad Bronco batch at, of titanium. Yeah. I'm telling you, <laughs> Bronco. At this point, I mean they're zero and three. Uh, I mean, do you think we'll see them in a rumble? Probably not. I don't know if they would even do. I mean, I heard they showed up late to the competition, like a week late anyway. Yeah. And they've been having all sorts of mechanical troubles. I would imagine they realize this isn't their season and they just pack it in. It would kind of be like, you know, when Michigan goes to like the PapaJohns.com bowl and they just say, you know, or Notre Dame does this. Yeah. We're like, you know what? We're just not going. (laughs) I think they would probably just big time the event and be like, nah, we're just not going to do it this year. So, yeah, by the way, speaking of football references, Props to Jameson for saying his bot was kind of like a run-heavy offense. Yeah. I don't know if you caught that. but No, I caught it. I always liken Duck to like a wishbone offense, but I'm just I'm stoked <laughs> that one of these the team triple captains option. used the football metaphor because I'm usually the one that's throwing those out there to you. <laughs> so. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week on Breaking Bots. Uh, like us on uh, Facebook, SoundCloud, all those iTunes... And check out some uh, back episodes if you want to. Um, if anybody's like feisty uh, Twitter post happen to pique your interest, <laughs> check out what there's they an had episode to say. for that. Yeah, exactly. Check out what they may have had to say on that before without the character limit of Twitter. And uh, also, Boston accents are fun. <laughs> Thanks again, Jameson. Have a good night, everybody. All right, later. Music for the Breaking Bots podcast is courtesy of Dan Moriarty and his band A Troop of Echoes, available on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Music. You can also check out his website, a troop of echoes, all one word, dot bandcamp.com.